So, you know, we're not going to make this decision for you. Every person has to make it for themselves. And our goal with this podcast is really just to lay out for you what does the data show and what are the potential risks and benefits. And then each individual has to make that decision for themselves. For us, I feel like personally that reaping the benefits of CrossFit that we know about and avoiding the risks of sedentarism greatly outweigh that risk of injury that's comparable to doing any other similar type of activity. Hello, and welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm Dr. Julie Fouché-Urcuyo, family physician and former CrossFit Games athlete. Here, my husband, Dr. Danny, and I bring you information and inspiration to help bridge the gap between fitness and medicine and support your journey toward your healthiest self. This episode is one of our Pursuing Health pearls. In medicine, we refer to clinical pearls as small bits of freestanding information relevant to clinical practice, usually based on experience. Pursuing Health Pearls are shorter episodes in which Danny and I offer you succinct, high-yield info on common health conditions or other topics. We do want to make it clear that this podcast is for general information only and does not provide medical advice. We recommend that you seek assistance from your personal physician for any health conditions or concerns. With that, let's get started with this week's episode. Welcome back to the Pursuing Health Pearls. Welcome back, everyone. (laughs) On this week's episode, we're going to dive into a question that certainly gets a lot of attention in the media, and that is, is CrossFit dangerous? No, it's not. And we'll (laughs) prove it to you by the end of this episode. But before we dive into that, we want to say a huge thank you to everyone who's been supporting us at Pursuing Health. Yes, Um, thank you so much. A couple, gosh, a year ago now, I think, we decided not to take sponsors with the intent that we never want you guys to think that we're talking about something just because we're getting paid. So if you hear us talking about something that we're super jazzed about, it's because we actually really love it. Mm-hmm. But the only way that we can you know, keep the lights on and share this content, like the content we're about to share with you, is with your support. So if you haven't already done so, head over to pursuing-health.com slash subscribe and go ahead and show your support and sign up. And our subscribers not only support us, which is amazing, but they also get access to our workout programs, some exclusive discount codes to companies that we love and use ourselves, and then private live Q&A sessions that we do every single month, which we love to do, and even some other fun bonus things. Like this past month, we just finished finished our Lazy Macros Challenge with Mm -hmm. all of our subscribers, which was awesome. So Super fun. Again, if you're able to greatly appreciate your support, you can head to pursuing-health.com forward slash subscribe to learn more and become a subscriber. All right. So as we mentioned, we hear this concern a lot. Mm -hmm. CrossFit's dangerous. Don't do it. You're asking for trouble. Do you want to get hurt? (laughs) Is that why you're doing CrossFit? Or our favorite, we're just keeping the orthopedic surgeons in business, right? Right. Which is hilarious because we know so many orthopedic surgeons that do CrossFit. (laughs) Right. And they love it. And it's not just because it's keeping them in business, but um, I think you know, looking at a lot of orthopedic surgery really is from arthritis, Mm -hmm. especially knee and hip arthritis from people who are really sedentary and probably would benefit from moving. So I don't think that argument stands. I don't think so either. (laughs) We'll prove it to you. All right. So a lot of this probably stems from how CrossFit has been portrayed in the media over the past 20 years. And we have to go back to 
the early days of CrossFit where it was really presented as an extreme exercise yes. program, right? So we had the mascot of Pukey the Clown. You know, if you didn't throw up after your workout, you didn't push yourself hard <laughs> enough. so ridiculous. There was another character called Uncle Rabdo. It was used a lot in military and first responder training um, and also for a lot of elite athletes, a lot of Olympians or athletes in various sports for their training. So, you know, the tagline also, it was forging elite fitness. So that's really what it was about from early on. Now, over the years, I think a lot of these harsh messages have been toned down and we've really embraced the fact that the CrossFit methodology is so powerful and can be used to help anyone from any walk of life with any level of previous experience to become healthier and fitter. And I think, you know, a lot of people understand that, but it's still hard to fight against sort of this media perception. And I think one of the things that makes it super hard is, is, the growth of the CrossFit Games. Not that yeah. that's a bad thing, but people see it on ESPN, on CBS. They see, you know, the 1% of the 1% of the 1%. And now, mm -hmm. like, now with five people going to the final stage of the Games, right. it's like maybe the 1% of that right. even. <laughs> so they see that and they see these amazing feats and they think, gosh, you know, maybe that's CrossFit and I really shouldn't shouldn't participate. Right. Or, or it's I too need intimidating. To be, or I need to get tense. fit in order to do CrossFit. Mm -hmm. um, but it's kind of like watching the World Cup. And, and being like, wow, these are amazing soccer players. I might as well just not even play pickup soccer. Mm -hmm. So Not a great argument, no. but, but I can understand where the intimidation comes from. I mean, I think almost everyone is intimidated before they start CrossFit, even if you have a strong background competing yeah. in college or professional sports. I mean, prior. remember when we went to our first affiliate? I mm -hmm. mean, you were, you were nervous. I was nervous for oh, sure. Yeah. And, and we had athletic backgrounds as well. It's so. very true. It's very true. Um. But anyway, we're going to dive into this question a little bit more of is CrossFit dangerous here in this episode. Um, we want to know what information do we have about the actual risks of injury while doing CrossFit compared to its relative benefits. So yeah. let's dive in. So let's dive into the data. So there's um, not a lot of stuff out there, mm -hmm. unfortunately. Um, no surprise given that CrossFit isn't the oldest sport, you know, it's a relatively new sport in the grand scheme of things. We probably have something like 20 studies um, that are uh, bigger studies that are looking at larger populations. Now, if you were to, you know, punch in CrossFit into something like PubMed or the internet, you'd probably find, you know, a couple hundred studies, but most of those are kind of case reports looking at, you know, one individual or maybe one injury from CrossFit, but we just don't have that much data um, when it comes to looking at bigger populations. Yeah. Well, we certainly have a lot more data than we used to. I mean, right. even 10 years ago, there was very few studies. So we have certainly seen an explosion in the research here. Um, and I'm optimistic that we'll continue to see this and we'll continue to be able to get more data that is reliable to help us improve the program moving yeah, forward. For sure. Now, the studies that we do have, um, those 20 that we talked about, they're not perfect. Some of them use surveys and ask people to recall their injuries, which as you can imagine, you know, anytime you ask anyone mm -hmm. to use their memory to recall anything, you know, nutrition yeah. or, or injuries from CrossFit, it's going to be problematic. You're, you're not going to get the cleanest um, data set really. Um, but it's, it's what we got. And you'll see it um, in, a, in a few minutes as we walk through some of these studies, there are some good studies out there that, that allow us to draw some good conclusions um, moving forward. Mm-hmm. We also have to acknowledge that there's a lot of special interests that can influence 
which of these studies are published or not Mm -hmm. um, and how they're reported, which is something to take into consideration too. And probably the best known example of this was a study that was published in 2013 in the Journal of Strength and Conditioning, which um, that journal is published by the National Strength and Conditioning Association or NSCA. And as it turns out, the NSCA, which is a competitor of CrossFit, had some motives to try to make CrossFit appear more dangerous than it actually was. So mm-hmm. this study, it was actually, it was not a survey study. It was a prospective study. So they took 43 people, put them through a CrossFit program for 10 weeks, and then they measured their fitness, their body composition. Um, turns out those both got better. Surprise, surprise. But <laughs> they also ended up reporting some injuries, which it turns out ended up being fabricated data. So the, you know, the pressure to portray CrossFit as being more dangerous resulted in this study publishing false data about injuries. Um, And then once this was uncovered, it ended up leading to the lead investigator resigning from his position at Ohio State. It ended up leading to multiple lawsuits. And last year, CrossFit actually won $4 million in sanctions in a lawsuit that stemmed from the retracted paper. So the judge in this lawsuit, Janice Sammartino, ruled that the NSAA had, quote, deceived and continues to deceive the public and consumers regarding the safety and effectiveness of CrossFit training. And if that wasn't bad enough, she actually went on to say, not only is it clear that the NSCA knowingly and repeatedly resisted producing documents that were irrefutably relevant to this litigation, but the forensic evaluation also uncovered evidence that the NSCA destroyed presumptively relevant documents and engaged in mass deletions across numerous devices during the pendency of this litigation. Yeah, it's pretty powerful. So talk about trying to cover your tracks here. Right. You know, didn't go well. Pretty, pretty damning. Um, so we're not going to dwell on this too much, but all this is just to say that the NSCA had some motive to deceive the public on the safety of CrossFit training, and that ended up influencing what was published in the research. And then as a result, it influenced a lot of what was talked about in the general news media, kind of covering that story. And so it just contributed to this bad press and perpetuating the dogma that CrossFit is dangerous. Right. All right. So with that said, what does the research actually tell us about injury rates in CrossFit? So there's an article actually just published this year in 2020 that reviewed all of the studies that reported injury incidents and incidence rates among CrossFit participants. So they looked at a whole bunch of studies and they narrowed it down to 14 that met their inclusion criteria. And among these 14 studies, the injury incidents ranged from 12.8 to 73.5%. And then the reported injury rates ranged from 0.27 to 3.3 per 1,000 training hours. So what does that mean? Yeah. So let's put that in context. <laughs> a thousand training hours. Let's say that you go to a CrossFit class five days per week, you know, and mm-hmm. let's, you know, it's 365 days per, per year. I mean, we're looking at something like three or three plus years mm-hmm. worth of training. And if you think about, you know, you talk to any runner mm-hmm. um, really, or any other kind of participant or person who, who does recreational sports, they're going to get some sort of injury, maybe a sprained ankle, maybe a mm-hmm. tweak here and there every three years. I think that's a completely reasonable um, injury rate. Mm-hmm. And it, it does pan out in the data. So when you look at similar research in other sports, it's, you know, the injury rates reported here in CrossFit are either lower than or very comparable to similar activities like Olympic weightlifting, distance running, track and field, rugby, or gymnastics. So we're not seeing anything too surprising here. We know that with some, you know, with any activity, there's going to be some level of risk, but it doesn't really seem that CrossFit has any additional risk than these other similar activities. Right. One caveat that we do have to mention is that this 2020 study mm-hmm. did use survey data to collect mm-hmm. their data. Well, some of the studies. Some of the studies, you know, right. 14 studies they, they with at 14 different studies. methodology. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. Um, so it's not the 
perfect data set, but there was one prospective study done in 2017 where they looked at 177 participants and followed them for 12 weeks um, while they were doing CrossFit. And they found that the overall incidence rate is 2.1 per thousand hours. So that's very similar, definitely in line mm -hmm. with the other 2020 study that we just mentioned. And again, that solidifies the the viewpoint that you know the incidence rate or the injury rate in CrossFit is very similar to that of other sports. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so we know that the data tells us the risk of injury in CrossFit is similar to other activities, similar activities, but what else can we learn from this data? Are there some other risk factors that we can play with to try to minimize our risk? Mm -hmm. So the review we just talked about found that there was three important factors associated with injury incidents and incidence rates in CrossFit, and those were training frequency, duration of CrossFit experience, and then individuals that compete in CrossFit competitions. So the competitions makes perfect sense to me. I think those people that who are pushing themselves harder to train for or to compete in competition are more likely to push through pain and potentially get injured. I think that's something I certainly accepted when I had that goal that, you know, I was probably more likely to get injured. But to me, that increased risk was worth it for the potential reward of how much I enjoyed competing. Yeah, it's more time under tension. And at higher intensity exactly. and you're pushing the boundaries. It just, it makes total sense. Exactly. So what about the training frequency and duration though? Yeah. So there was one study that surveyed 3000 participants who did CrossFit from 2013 to 2017. And they found that the greatest injury rate was, was in those who did CrossFit for less than three hours per week compared three to- Three days per week. Excuse me. Yeah. Less than three days per week. <laughs> Probably three hours. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Uh, compared to those who did three to five days per week or those who did greater than five days per week of CrossFit. And they also found that those who have less experience have a higher injury rate. So the longer participants have been doing CrossFit, the less likely they're to be injured. And that, of course, makes total sense. In the beginning, you're learning the mechanics. You're trying to do the movements with excellent technique. You mm -hmm. may make some mistakes. You may be more likely to get hurt. Mm -hmm. And if you're anything like me, you may be a little bit eager to, to get after it, maybe add a little bit of extra weight or move a little bit more quickly than you should. And that, of course, increases your injury rate. Yeah. So to me, this really perfectly highlights CrossFit's charter of mechanics, consistency, intensity, which, you know, has always been there from the beginning. And it just talks about how first you have to learn the proper mechanics. That's about that beginner phase, those first few months to a year of just honing the good mechanics of movement. And then once you have good mechanics, then being able to do them consistently or being able to train in this way more than three days a week. And then, and only then adding in the intensity or dialing up the intensity of your workout. So, you know, this is perfectly in line with that. And it just highlights, I think that you know, it makes sense in the first six to 12 months of CrossFit, you may be more likely to be injured, especially if you're pushing yourself beyond um, your boundaries or pushing through that charter a little bit too quickly. Um, and then for people who are maybe not training as frequently, they don't have the consistency in order to be able to protect themselves against injuries. Right. Um, so there was also some studies that found that males were at higher risk of injury. So what do you think about that, Danny? <laughs> Again, no surprise there. You know, I think guys are more likely to be, you know, a little bit overly competitive with their buddies in the gym oh, yeah. and maybe push a little bit through through any tweaks or or pain that they may have. So so no surprise there. And you know, I think that, that we can we can make that a, a blanket statement and not get into too much trouble. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. <laughs> right. Um we also find that People who have prior injuries are at higher risk of injury, which makes a lot of common sense too. You know, if you've been injured before, you're probably more susceptible to re-injuring. Right. And then of course, working with a trainer or a coach um, and having them monitor your technique and monitor your intensity, that of course will decrease your injury as well. Mm -hmm. 
And as far as sites of injury, the studies we've seen seem to be pretty consistent in finding that shoulder injuries are the most common and then followed by lower back and knee injuries. So this to me tells me that maybe there's some movements across the board that we're doing as a community that we could improve on. And the one that comes to mind first is the kipping pull-up. You right. know, it's something that we've been doing forever. I think especially early on, people were very eager to do kipping pull-ups. Or even butterfly pull-ups. Or butterfly pull-ups before they had strict pull-ups. Now, I think people are a lot better about enforcing that strict strength before going into a kipping movement. But this goes across the board with things like muscle-ups, handstand push-ups. There's a lot of gymnastics movements which we do which are pretty tough on the shoulder. And if we don't first develop the strength around the shoulder to support those higher forces, it, it is potential. It does have potential to cause injury. Absolutely. And I think the, that needs to be addressed in affiliates, but also in people who work out at home. Mm -hmm. You know, there are now a lot, we see a lot of people with, with COVID working out at home, maybe not necessarily going to affiliate. Mm -hmm. um, being mindful that that's something that they need to be working on diligently before they kind of escalate to the more advanced, more um, taxing movements for mm -hmm. the shoulder. The other thing I think we as a CrossFit community do tend to be more frontally focused with the shoulder. We mm -hmm. do a lot more pushing than we do pulling. And so making sure that that shoulder musculature is balanced can probably also, you know, is a hypothesis that may also help to reduce the risk of injury um, and just being mindful of that in rehab, prehab, Absolutely. kind of accessory movements. I mean, just be doing. speaking from personal experience, I had some, some shoulder discomfort and call it pain sometimes. <laughs> um and I ended up doing more behind the neck presses mm -hmm. as part of my regular routine a couple times a week. And that resolved the shoulder pain. It's clear mm -hmm. that that's probably because of an imbalance. Yeah. 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 Great point. All right. So what can we take away from this research? So number one, we can take away that the injury rates of people doing CrossFit are really not that different from other similar forms of activity. So mm -hmm. that's great. Right. Number two, we would suspect that employing this charter of learning good mechanics in the early months of doing CrossFit and then doing CrossFit consistently, at least more than three days per week, may be a way to reduce risk of injury. And then working with a trainer or coach to monitor your progress and your mechanics um, mm -hmm. will reduce your, your risk of injury as well. And then because shoulder injuries are so common, making sure that you take the time to properly warm up, that you mm -hmm. don't just jump right into a pull-up workout, or maybe you do some prehab or rehab exercises to make sure that the musculature around the shoulder is balanced, or you work on strict movements for a while to make sure that, you know, if you're going to do kipping handstand push-ups, that you have a strict handstand push-up perhaps with a band or something mm -hmm. like that. So you're getting the mechanics right. Um, or working on muscle-ups or strict muscle-ups before you do a kipping muscle-up. All those things are going to be super important. And then if you're a guy, <laughs> check your ego. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're a guy or if you're competing in CrossFit, yeah. just be cognizant that like at baseline, you're at a little bit higher risk. So yes. have that little voice in the back of your head right. when you're trying to push through something. Say like, is this really worth it? Is this yeah. really going to help me in the long run. Um, Absolutely. But, you know. Yeah. What, what do they always say? The best the, the best way to get worse at a sport is to get hurt. That's true. You know? <laughs> That's true. You can change everything in an yep. instant. Yep. All right. So now we know all of these factors that can potentially affect our risk of injury. And we know that at baseline, there's going to be some risk of injury as there is with any other activity. But let's talk a little bit more about big picture risks and benefits. So first, what are the risks of not doing CrossFit? Because we definitely have to take that into consideration. Yeah. So we talked about this in episode 159 when we talked about exercise and the risks of sedentarism. 
And what we saw in the data was that sedentary behaviors increase your risk of all-cause mortality, which is the cause of dying from any cause. It increases your risk of dying from cardiovascular disease, increases your risk for cardiovascular disease, for type 2 diabetes, and then also certain cancers, things like mm -hmm. colon cancer, endometrial cancer, lung cancer. And then to drive this point home, they also did this very, very large um, study in 2016, a large meta-analysis where they pulled 16 different studies looking at over a hundred million, over a million people, um, not a hundred million, over a million people, <laughs> and demonstrated that um, increased sitting time and decreased moderate to vigorous activity actually increased your all-cause mortality. Mm -hmm. So whether you're doing CrossFit or any other type of exercise, you know, that is important. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, if you're doing nothing, if you're sedentary most of the day, you're not doing at least moderate activity, mm -hmm. you're going to be at increased risk of dying. And that's nothing to scoff at. No, not at all. Not at all. So there are a lot of potential uh, benefits to doing CrossFit. Mm -hmm. Some of those we've already hinted at. Um, research shows that it increases your VO2 max, which is a measure of cardiorespiratory uh, fitness. It increases your strength musculature, muscle mass. We've talked about that in, mm -hmm. uh, in our nutrition podcast about mm -hmm. the importance of muscle mass for multiple reasons, increases your endurance. It reduces cardiovascular risk factors, including decreased blood pressure, um, decreased body fat percentage, and then increases your insulin sensitivity. And then finally, and perhaps most importantly, yes. I think, and I think we can agree on this, is that people have a higher sense of community satisfaction and motivation. And that's really the magic, I mm -hmm. think, of CrossFit. Oh, absolutely. And these are the benefits that we've seen documented in research studies, but there's also tons of anecdotal benefits that are hard to argue with. And I think if you've been doing CrossFit for any period of time, if you're a member of an affiliate, you've no doubt heard about them as we have over the past 11 years. Um, there was a program at CrossFit HQ, which we really loved to visit. Um, when we would go do seminars there, we would see on their whiteboard, this program was for um, individuals who were older or overweight or had chronic disease that maybe would have been too intimidated to walk into a regular CrossFit class. And they had this whiteboard where they wrote up um, some of the things they had accomplished, some of the things they had done, and some of the things they were going to do or what their goals were. And it was just so inspiring to go every time and read about what they were doing. Yeah. So some of the stuff that was on that was coming off of medications like metformin, which is a medication for diabetes, mm -hmm. which is so exciting. Um, being more confident in every aspect of life. I mean, that just That's totally, it's awesome. hope for me. That's like, it's so um, powerful. It's more powerful than, you know, losing 10 pounds mm -hmm. or being able to do a snatch or being able to do a muscle ups mm -hmm. is, you know, this is a perfect example of the stuff that we learn in the CrossFit gym. It translates. It translates to everything in life. So really powerful stuff. One lady um, said she lost a hundred pounds. One person wrote, thinking of selling um, house because of stairs now running them instead. One person wrote before CrossFit, I couldn't open a jar of peanut butter now I carry a 50-pound bag of chicken feed from my trunk to the chicken coop. That is functional And this is fitness. age 72. I <laughs> mean, how amazing. cool is that? <laughs> how cool is that? That's so awesome. And then another person at age 72 could easily lift the 40-pound bag of dog food. Which That's is, so cool. Which is awesome. That's what it's all about. So, Absolutely. You know, these benefits are, are hard to put into words, but you can ask yourself, like, do I want to sit on the couch all day and be afraid of injury, but know that my sedentary behavior increases my risk of chronic disease and death? Or do I want to take on that small risk of injury and improve my quality of life by doing CrossFit or whatever other exercise program that you find yeah. works best for you? And if the answer is you want to do CrossFit, there are many ways that you can reduce your risk of injury, which mm -hmm. is just what we talked about. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, we've covered a lot of ground. We'll, we'll sum things up a little bit for you here. 
Um, you know, we know that the media sometimes portrays CrossFit as being dangerous, but the available research that we have shows that the risk of injury is no higher with CrossFit than with any other similar activity. And there's multiple ways to decrease your risk of injury, mm-hmm. which we've talked about, you know, doing CrossFit under the guidance of, of a trainer or a coach, starting slow and, and sticking to that char- charter of mechanics, consistency, intensity. And that may take the form of maybe starting with an on-ramp or a foundations class if you're in a CrossFit affiliate, uh, making sure you stay consistent with your training. Don't, you know, go to the gym five days um, in, a, in a week and then take the full week off. Be more consistent with the training and making sure that you're, you're hitting the gym regularly and hitting mm-hmm. those, those workouts four days per week. And then make sure that you build the prerequisite strength um, in order to do some of those more advanced movements where your shoulder or maybe your back or your hip is under, mm-hmm. under more tension. Um, and if you do want to compete in CrossFit, just do so being cognizant of the fact that training for competition and competing does come with a slightly increased risk of injury. And I think this is something that can be applied to the average box goer too. So it can be a competitive environment, you know, competing against the person next to you, even in a regular, you know, on a Tuesday in the mm-hmm. box can be a great motivator and it helps us all get the most out of ourselves. But we also have to remember to listen to our body. So if we're pushing past something that's pain, or if we have a an injury that we're just ignoring because we want to keep competing against the person next to us, that can potentially become a problem. So just being sure that we listen to our bodies and be smart about how we're training so we can keep doing this for the long run. Right. And on the risks of doing CrossFit and the risk of not doing CrossFit, when we do CrossFit, we see an increase in strength, endurance, decreased cardiovascular disease risk, lower blood pressure, a stronger sense of community and satisfaction. And then the risk of not doing CrossFit or exercise for that matter also have to be thought about too. Mm-hmm. So you know, being sedentary is associated with an increased risk of death overall. I can't think of anything more serious right. than that. So, you know, not doing exercise is is dangerous. And then um, from the perspective of death, but also from the perspective of getting chronic diseases. Absolutely. So, you know, we're not going to make this decision for you. Every person has to make it for themselves. And our goal with this podcast is really just to lay out for you what does the data show and what are the potential risks and benefits? Um, and then each individual has to make that decision for themselves. Um, for us, I feel like personally that reaping the benefits of CrossFit that we know about and avoiding the risks of sedentarism greatly outweigh that risk of injury that's comparable to doing any other similar type of activity. Um, and that doesn't mean that we're going crazy with it. We're going to be mindful of how we implement it, try to do it in a way that is smart and is going to minimize our chance of injury. But we know, yeah, it's there. It's, you know, we have gotten injured in the past. We probably will again. But to me, it's worth taking on that risk for all the other amazing benefits. Amen. <laughs> so, yeah, that's all we've got for you on this topic. But before we go, just one last reminder about our strong commitment to not having sponsors on the podcast you know, our goal is just to remain as unbiased as we can for you. And we never want you to think that we're telling you about something just because we're getting paid. Right. And the only way that we're able to do the work that we're doing here is with your support, the support of our listeners. So if you enjoyed this podcast or other podcasts that we've published and would like to show your support, please head over to pursuing-health.com slash subscribe and become a Pursuing Health subscriber. And again, you can do this for as little as $4.99 per month. This is something that Julie and I do for other Mm -hmm. podcasts or other causes or resources that we're really passionate about. Yep. And not only will you be supporting us, which is amazing and we appreciate so much, but you'll also get some perks like access to our workout programs, exclusive discount codes, our live Q&A sessions that we do every month with our subscribers um, and other fun things like lazy macros that we just did last month. So again, we would really appreciate your support. You can head to pursuing-health.com forward slash subscribe to learn more. So thanks again, guys. We'll catch you next time on Pursuing Health Pearls. Bye everyone. Bye.